You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. We're in a series called The Thrill of Hope. Take your program out, and in the middle you've got an outline, and there's a pen in the seat back in front of you. And you might want to write some things down today because I believe God's got some message that he wants to communicate to you as he's beginning to just have you hear what God would have you hear today in this sermon. And we have a lot of times in our life, we've got hopes, but we also have fears. And sometimes the fears seem to be on top, and sometimes the hopes seem to be on top, but closely there under, the fears are lying just underneath. They kind of almost counterbalance each other. And your desires, the deepest desires, your core desires, are really a window into your soul. That's why you can look and see what are the core desires of a little kid as it's coming toward Christmas. They'll let you know what their core desires are. They will tell you exactly what they are. And that's why their eyes shine and they want, they have hope for what they may or may not get at Christmas. And and they just tell you right away. But your hopes and your fears show what you really value. Your hopes and your fears show what you hunger for and thirst for, and they go hand in hand, and they counterbalance each other's. We hear that, we just sang that line that the hopes and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight, speaking of Jesus. We all live with hopes and fears. We all have them. None of us are exempt of hopes and fears, and we yearn for our unmet needs to be met but they're going to be met and satisfied. And we want our fears to be calmed. For there to be the thrill of hope, you've got to have anticipation. For there to be the thrill of hope in your life, there's got to be a tension that you feel. The tension sometimes is waiting. The tension sometimes is an awakening in your heart. The tension sometimes is despair or it's desire or it's discouragement. And out of that becomes the hope of fear, the hope of of the thrill of hope where you really begin to ask, can this really be? There's a personal stretching that happens on the inside. You begin to think, could it be? Can I really hope? It's in that place that you experience the thrill of hope. And here's why you need this sermon today. Your hopes and fears are met in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not in a faith, not in some belief system, but in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus reveals relationship as God reveals that people can have relationship through Jesus to him. He reveals that through the actual true Christmas account. If you have your Bible, open with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that it took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Write this down if you're taking notes today. Mary and Joseph had the burden of Roman expectations. But Jesus bypasses every human governmental system as the way to make the world right. 
Isn't it interesting how sometimes you or I will cling to the, the thrill of hope that there could be hope through a human governmental system, but time and again over history, even the great Roman Empire went through decay, even the great Roman Empire fell, and it, it did not last, and we keep looking to sometimes governmental systems to bring the thrill of hope, to bring authentic change, but Jesus in his day, ministering to people who were under a Roman foreign occupying power, he did not come to fulfill the Jewish national ambitions of those people. But Jesus bypasses them to bring real hope, actual hope, to the world for all the years. He came to calm the unvoiced fears of the Jewish people who thought that God had perhaps forgotten him. You'll remember there were 400 silent years between the Old Testament and now the New Testament. And what that meant is for 400 years, the Jewish people did not have any new prophets. They didn't have any new word from God, any new revelation of God being interacting with the people apart from their law and the, and the Psalms and the poetry and the minor prophets and the major prophets that they already had writings to. But now there were 400 silent years. For the average person, they're thinking, I don't know if God's going to keep his promises. I don't know if God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And maybe we've been forgotten. Maybe we're on our own. But Jesus is the answer to their longings for God to rescue and restore his people. And our joy on Christmas Day is that Jesus is the answer to rescue and restore people back into relationship with God. In fact, it's such good news that our sins can be washed away through Jesus. It's such good news that we actually love Jesus. It's such good news that he came, that God became flesh to live within Jesus, that he basically sacrificed himself on the cross, taking our sin upon himself and instead trading to us his righteousness but canceling out our sin before a righteous God who is going to have wrath against sin. But it paid for it. Jesus ransomed us. He bought us back from the clutches of sin, the despair in which we lived. It's such good news that we give gifts to each other. That's how Christmas and giving of gifts came about. Well, how did it happen originally? Well, these people were saying, who's going to rescue us? Who's going to restore the people? And let me remind you as we all are about to enter an election year, are your hopes and dreams still hung on a human governmental system or can there be something better? Can there be a Messiah? Is Jesus that Messiah who transcends government, who can meet your deepest longings for rescue and restoration and he has not forgotten you? Oh, it's been years since this account took place, hasn't it? And yet... He has made promises that God will keep. He will return. He will come back. But he reveals himself to people who are just normal people out in the fields. Look with me at Luke 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Write this down. Your hopes and fears reveal a not yetness in our world. 
a not yetness in our world. That Christ has come, that he has defeated sin, and he has defeated death, and he's defeated the evil one on the cross. Yes, Christ has risen from the dead, and he reigns as Lord over all, but we know that there is more to come. We wait for the day when Jesus comes again. That's the message of the angels to the shepherds, that the Messiah has come. Now we remember that the Messiah is going to come again. But we wait for that with anticipation. But the problem is, we have a not yetness in our spirit, a not yetness in the tension of life. It's why you feel the tension of why is God not yet brought peace on earth? If God is truly sovereign, why can't people get along? If God is truly sovereign, why is there so much fear and turmoil? Why is there so much death and pain if God is truly sovereign? But I want you to understand that the world, according to the Bible, is under the temporary authority of the evil one, the devil. That's why the devil tempted Jesus when he came to earth is because he was saying, Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, all the splendor of the world, if you bow down and worship me. Now, Jesus came and defeated the devil. However, that ultimate judgment doesn't come until the future. So sometimes when you see a national tragedy or you see sin and wickedness in the world, when bad things happen and you blame God, I just want to tell you you're blaming the wrong person. He's the one who will come to restore all things. He will come to restore your heart. He will come to renew your deepest longings. But you need to blame the devil who is under temporary authority on earth. Jesus is the only right thing. And so until that comes, we experience the not yetness in our world. So you and I, we're going to endure poor health, broken relationships, loss, frustrations, aging, limitations. Write this down. When Jesus comes back, the not yetness becomes even moreness. When your hopes are satisfied and your fears are calmed. When Jesus returns, your hopes will be satisfied and your fears are calm. How do we know? Well, one of the ways we know is because we know the experience of the people who, how they reacted to Jesus' first coming. In Luke 2, 15, it says this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds come down. They get this message from the angels. They go, they spread the word about what they They were like, it wasn't just some crazy vision we had out in the, in the fields. We didn't eat bad mushrooms and have some vision. No, we actually found a baby lying in a manger. And there were actually, you know, I mean, just all this thing is going on. They said, it's exactly wrapped just like we were told by the angels. It's real. And they went and they told anybody who would listen. And they listened with wonder and they listened with awe. And that's what happens when you get saved, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, when you, like Jesse, begin to say, I will walk back into a relationship with the Lord, and you watch the condition of your life change, even if your pain level doesn't, even if you still face health challenges, you have been renewed from the inside out. And that's what happens when you come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, your faith in God becomes a little seed of faith that gets transferred to other people. 
So you need to tell people that you've come to Jesus. You need to tell people around you of the experience you've had with God. Now, how many of you know that I'm no rapper? I can't get up here and do what Alec did earlier and like come up and rap. I'm no rapper. You got to just please understand that. Please understand, I am not a rapper. However, when Kanye West became a Christian and he got saved, don't you think Drake heard about that? I'm just asking the question. Like, don't you think that when Kanye West produced an album called Jesus is King, don't you think, maybe even without a conversation, that don't you think that maybe Jay-Z knew about that? Wouldn't you think so? Probably knew about that. And wouldn't you assume that if De'Aaron Fox got saved, that Buddy Heald would have heard about that on the Sacramento Kings? Don't you think so? That word might pass around there on the team? And don't you think that if Bill Gates, Bill Gates got saved, don't you think Mark Zuckerberg would hear about that? And probably through Facebook. But if that happened, he might actually hear about it because they probably run in some of the same circles. And don't you think that if Dwayne Johnson got saved that Kevin Hart would hear about that? Don't you think so? I do. And I want you to know that that's what happened to the shepherds. And that's what happens to you when you put your faith and trust in a relationship with Jesus, that your faith plants the seeds of faith in other people. And that's exactly what the shepherds were experiencing now, God chose the regular people, not celebrities, to announce his arrival, and he made known the story to you through other people and told through the true and the historical account of Christmas that we just read. That's the real, true story of Christmas. But the shepherds, they didn't, like, hear from the angels and go see Jesus, and then they won the lotto. No, they had to go back to their work. They had to begin to be a work in progress like you and like me, like Kanye, a work in progress. But they had to go back. They had to go back to cold nights in the field. They had to go back to cranky sheep. They had to go back to low pay and very little opportunity for any career growth at all. In fact, being a shepherd was the lowest occupation you could have. But what changed? The inside changed. They knew there is a Messiah who will rescue me from the tensions of life in whom I can put my hope. God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten us as a nation. God has not forgotten us as what they would think. And they had the thrill of hope and their fears were calmed. Write this down. God raises the thrill of hope and things will definitely happen just as you've been told. Perhaps you think you've never been told. Well, I don't know if I've been told about God. I don't know if I've been told about the real meaning of Christmas. But you've been told the message of God is that Jesus appeared and offered salvation, and he is coming back. And Jesus is the hope that creation groans for. Do you realize that when sin entered the world, even creation was under the burden of sin, and it groans. Creation groans waiting to be renewed, the Bible says. Do you know that you groan? waiting to be free from a body of, of sin and waiting to be renewed in your heart to the person that God has always designed you to be where there isn't the tension of the not yetness in your life. 
He wants to renew and awaken you, and you groan, waiting to be renewed. God renews all things, this earth, the heavens, your body, and your deepest longings, and the tension of life is gone. And when that happens, our fears evaporate. That is good news. But until then, we wait for his return, for him to come back. And some of you are like, is it going to happen? Have we been forgotten? Has God forgotten us? The scriptures tell us God is not slow in returning as some consider slowness, but he's patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to salvation. God doesn't just come back to rescue us, to make us comfortable. He's still waiting for people like you and like me to come into a relationship with him where our needs, can, our deepest longings are met and our fears are dissolved. So we wait for his coming. Titus 2, uh, Paul writes this, he says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. What's the blessed hope? What's the thrill of hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. Redeem us means to buy us back, like we were kidnapped and we were ransomed. We were redeemed, bought back from all the wickedness and to purify for himself a people who were his very own eager to do what is good. So God came to save you from two things. First of all, God came to save you from your sins. He came to save you from the condemnation of your sins. God became flesh in Jesus. And he died on the cross and he offers you his righteousness because in place he took your sin upon himself on the cross and he canceled out God's righteous wrath against sin. God is a good judge and he is right to have wrath against sin. He's right to judge sin. Why? That's what good judges do. But God came to save you from two things. Jesus came. He came, number one, to save you from your sins. But he came, number two, to save you from the good things you do to try to save yourself. So he saves you from the bad things that you've done, but he also tries to save you from the good things you're trying to do to be saved. And you can't save yourself. No one can save themselves. Not angels, not shepherds, not Mary or Joseph, not Mother Teresa, not Billy Graham, not Kanye West, not your grandma as good as she is, and definitely not you. No one can save themselves. Only Jesus saves. And let me tell you, he, he's the one who came from heaven to earth. He wasn't just on earth like the rest of us. He came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect life, is going back up into heaven, has been crucified, dead, buried, rose from the dead, has gone back up into heaven. And let me tell you, he is saying, I am coming again. And the beautiful thing about that is he hasn't forgotten you. He's not unaware of your hopes or your fears, but that he came to satisfy your deepest longings to renew you from the inside out in relationship with him. And you can have that relationship right now. That's what he came to do. He came to love you, and his love is extended to you. But until the day that you and I die, we're going to have a sense of that almost or that not yetness in our lives. So what happens? He's coming back. So what are you going to do to prepare for his return besides give gifts to each other at Christmas? What are you going to do besides know the actual meaning of the Christmas story? What do we do? We rejoice in the birth and rest in the reassurance of his second coming. When that happens, all of our deepest longings will be fully satisfied for we will see the thrill of hope that is Jesus Christ, our great God, a savior worthy of glory in the highest heavens 
And so my question for you is, have you received salvation through the forgiveness of your sins because of the great mercy of God to send his son to die, to cancel out your sin, and to save you from the good things you're trying to do, to be good enough to be saved? With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I just want you to think about your own life at this time. Just thinking about you, I want to ask for a moment, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you realized that his death on the cross can cancel out all your sin? That the good things you try to do to be good enough are never good enough, and you need the righteousness of God. And if today you want not a faith system, but you want a relationship with Jesus, then you pray something like this. Prayer's just talking to God. You're going to do it on the inside. God hears you. He knows you. But right where you're seated, you pray something like this. Just pray, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried, that you rose to new life because you're God. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, to wash me as white as Christmas snow. Would you create a new creation in my heart on the inside? Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And right now, anywhere around the room with your heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer, will you raise your hand? Right now, that you, today was the day you prayed that prayer. You just raise your hand up anywhere around the room. If you're in the loft, my friends will see you up there. If you're watching online, you can just email and let us know. But that today is the day you said yes to Jesus. Father, we're grateful for you. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We acknowledge that you are the light of the world and that you are amazing. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.